Um, so first of all, again, thank you so much, Beatrice. Um, it's really uh, such an honor. We're very, very excited to be here. And Hezat um, Hashem, your house should always be filled with Torah and Simcha and only good things. Um, I also want to thank Amy for uh, putting the class together. And um, just to thank you to the Flatbush family in general for welcoming myself and my husband so warmly and openly. Um, we're very, very excited. And um, let's start. So when um, Amy first asked me to give the class, she called me up. And um, I could tell she was nervous. And um, it was a funny conversation. And she says, look, we're doing this Tehillim series. I'll talk over it, don't worry. Um, we're doing this Tehillim series, and um, it's going to be four classes. And we thought of four topics that pertain to Tehillim. And, you know, the first three speakers and topics are said. And just, you know, happens to be the topic that's left. You know, if you could do it, is is there for I? Like, what a coincidence. So I just want to say that I didn't buy that for a minute, Amy. Um, <laughs> um, it, was a, it was a good effort. Um, but uh, I didn't believe it, not even for a second. Um, but uh, really, if you were presenting to me the four topics that you uh, have the classes about, classes about, I probably would have chosen this topic anyway. Um, even though it's, it's, it's obviously very, very personal, um, I think there's, there's a lot to learn um, coming from a more personal space, and um, so I'm really I'm excited to speak about it, but um, Amy was very excited when I agreed to this. She sounded like she yeah, didn't exactly. think I would. <laughs> um, so um, when we think about Tehillim, when we think about uh, Tehillim specifically in relation to Refu'ah, um, it's not really um, such an obvious connection. Like nowadays, when we say someone needs a refu'ah, right away we take out the tahilim, right? But we really have to kind of rewind and think about why are we taking out the tahilim specifically? Um, why, why specifically this book, you know? And um, not only that, but we have certain mizmorim that we say when someone needs a refu'ah right away. A lot of us know some of them by heart, or when you get a text that someone needs a refu'ah, they send an attachment of Tehillim, and there are very specific mizmore um, Tehillim that they send as the attachments. Um, and so we really have to analyze, like, what is it about these words? What is it about these pesukim? What is it about this book um, that uh, this is what this is our go-to um, when it comes to refuah here? Um, so. Coincidentally, also, but really not coincidentally, because um, really based on my experience the past months or year even, um, always in hindsight, you can you could you really start to appreciate how you know certain things in your life came to came into play. So it happened to be this past September, I signed up for an Allegro Franco Ben Midrash class on Sunday mornings. I said, you know what, I do a lot of teaching, but I'm not doing enough learning. I'm I'm gonna go to the Allegro Franco Ben Midrash on Sunday mornings when I'm not working, and the Sunday morning class happened to be Melachim. And Melachim chronicles the life of David HaMelech, um, and throughout the class we were constantly analyzing sources and events that happened in David HaMelech's life. And as I was um, learning this on Sunday mornings, very briefly, an hour and a half, um, an hour and a half a week, and then I would go over my notes a little bit afterward, I really came to understand, I hadn't learned Melachim in, in really uh, a couple years at least, um, and I didn't really have a recollection of everything that was going on in the book, um, and I really got to develop an appreciation 
for David Hamelet's life and all the struggles that he faced in a very new and real way. Um, David Hamelet really um, so much of his struggles put him in a situation of despair where he has no idea what to do, where to turn, struggles with himself, struggles with his children, struggles with his colleagues, um, constantly, constantly finding himself in um, a bind and not knowing where to turn. And it was so interesting to me as I, I took this class and I was following, you know, the story of David HaMelech. Um, and then when I found myself um, in January, one day at the Magic Kingdom fireworks and not even 48 hours later in a hospital bed, um, obviously the, the go-to was the Tehillim and I was able to relate so much more to what I was saying because I had just learned about the life of David HaMelech and I was really, con I felt very connected to the words. I felt like I really had an understanding of his feelings and thoughts and the background um, that he was putting into the words. Um, so, like I said, coincidentally, but not coincidentally, that I, I just happened to be, I decided to take this class and that was the topic of the class, um, which led up to my personal struggle. Um, so the, the connection between Tehillim and Refu'ah became a little bit more glaring to me. Um, I didn't want to make like a four-page source sheet with a hundred different sources, but I felt it was at least relevant to have certain Fakir Tehillim in front of us that uh, we wanted to look at, in addition to um, a portion of Tanakh, which I'll explain shortly. Um, the idea behind Tehillim um, when we read through a lot of the Mizmodet Tehillim, we have this sense of despair, right? Specifically the ones, if you look at the ones that pertain to Refu'ah, there's really this sense of there's nothing else. There's nothing else to do. This is all there is to do, right? Is to pray. Um, Refu'ah, health, is one of those things that falls into that category of it's only Hashem. There is nothing else. You could have everything in the world. You could be wealthy. You could be successful. You could be famous. You could do all the right things. You can eat well. Not to, I'm not meaning to scare anyone, but really, you can eat well. You can take care of yourself. But at the end of the day, a person's health is only going to be in the hands of Hashem. That's it, period. Um, there's no, there is nothing else. It's only Hashem when it comes to health. We do our hishtadlut, we do the best we can, we try to take care of ourselves, but when it comes to health, it's all in God's hands. And this is really very similar to David HaMelech finding himself in all these situations where he was stuck and there was nothing he could do except talk to Hashem and pray to Hashem and beg Hashem. That was really his only option. Um, there is nothing else. He did what he could do and now my all that's left is my being able to speak to Hashem. That's it. It's just to ask Hashem and to beg Hashem. Um, I brought up the story. I gave a class on Tisha B'Av at, at the SEA program. Um, when I was first in the hospital, um, during those first few days, before I knew um, exactly what was wrong and what was going on, Rabbi Aluf called my husband. And um, my husband, he's my husband's rabbi. They, they have a very close relationship. And Rabbi Aluf said to my husband, I want you to tell your wife that really the ultimate healing is going to come from one thing and that's going to be 
tears on the page. That's where healing comes from. Your cries, your tears, your emotion, your pleading with Hashem, that's where Refuah is going to come from. That's, that's the source. And that stayed very, very deeply with me throughout. Because I found myself very often um, not being able to do anything really weaker than I've ever felt before. And if you know me before, I'm a fast-moving person, I'm a hard-working person, and Baruch Hashem, really, I, I never got sick. I never got sick even, like, I never got the flu. I never got struck throat. Like, I never had, really, like, even, like, the smallest things, like, the most I would ever get is a cold. I, I never took sick days from work. Uh, I took, like, personal days to chill, but I never took sick days. I really never got even, like, a little bit sick. I had COVID as a mild cough. Like, it just came and went like nothing. Um, and so even more so, I was able to understand when I was in a situation where I was like, well, I, I really can't walk up my own steps to my bedroom, um, not even two steps, and, and my heart was pounding, and, and I, I had to pause literally every two steps. Um, pause for two steps, 10 seconds, two more steps, 20 seconds. Um, when I found myself in that situation, I really had a very deep understanding that health is, is, is only from Hashem. Health is something that, that Hashem provides for us, and it really is, um, it's a protection. When I looked at this, the Prakhet Tehillim, so what I, the two that I chose to look at during this class are really the two that are our go-tos. They're the two that everyone knows by heart. In school, when we say we're going to say Tehillim, these are the two that everybody takes out. Um, they're the ones that people send around. And I felt that if we are able to gain a little bit more understanding of them and delve a little more deeply into them, Perhaps the next time we say it, we'll have a little bit more meaning and we'll have a little bit more um, intention when we say it. And so, Bezat Hashem, our, our tefillot will, will rise even higher and, and um, have even more of an effect. Um, I looked at these two plaquets, Ehilim, and I said, you know what? What do these have in common? What is it? You know, what, what is it? What, what, are, what are these two plaquets, Ehilim? Um, that, uh, what is it about these, that these are the ones that we keep sending around and these are the ones everybody goes to, right? And so first I looked at it from a more general sense. I looked at it just as um, themes, okay? So you look at the themes of these two prakhe Um And I'm going to give everyone a minute. I want everyone to like kind of take a minute. And you can read the Hebrew, you can read the English, whatever works for you. Um, number 20 and number 121. And... What themes do you see in these um, prakim? My water drink. So recognizing our own place on earth as human beings and how Hashem, Hashem's divine place as the one who is driving everything. What else? Yes. Um, trust and faith and positivity. Right. 
Beautiful, right? Trust and real faith and real positivity. Very, very verbal, very, you know, tangible positivity that Hashem is going to help. Anyone have anything else? Surrendering. Hmm? Surrendering. Good. Surrendering. Beautiful. Um, Turning to God for, for salvation. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so let's look a little bit at, at the background of these packing. So um, in the first one, should I do the second one? I'm going to do the first one first. Um, the first pedic is attributed to David HaMelech himself. And David HaMelech, this is uh, widely um, accepted to him, that David HaMelech wrote this pedic of Tehillim when he was in Yerushalayim, and he had to send Yoav, his army general, off to war. And until then, David had always gone to war. And it came a point where they felt like David really has to stay. It was becoming too dangerous, and he needs to stay in Jerusalem. and he was sending them off to war. And so he writes this Pedic of Tehillim for Yoav and for his army. He writes this Pedic of Tehillim for them specifically. When we look at this Pedic and we think about the idea of war, right, it's also that same kind of sense of, well, Hashem is really in control of this. Like, how much could we do? And we know, for example, from the very existence of the state of Israel, right? You could be outnumbered. You could be out-strategized. You could be, you know, outmanned. But if Hashem wants it, that's what's going to happen, right? So it's that same type of vibe that we get with Hashem is in charge here, right? Um... The second pedic, I'm going to go more deeply into the first pedic in a minute. The second pedic is a little bit more vague. It's not as specific. We don't have an exact event that we attribute this pedic to. We don't have like, oh, it was written exactly at this and this time. There are several possibilities. Um, it could have been written by the Jews in Galut is one possibility. It could have been written by the Jews who were going up to, um, to Yerushalayim and the Shadosh Regalim. That's one explanation. Um, there are a few explanations. But we do have to understand that all the Prakets Tehillim are purposely a little bit vague. Because the goal was always for the reader to relate to them. The goal was always for us to be able, generations later, to say this still applies. So they're never so exact in where they are and what they are. Um, because we're supposed to look at ourselves in that same situation. We're not going to war, but we do find ourselves sometimes in that same type of despair of, I don't know what to do, right? I'm, I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. I'm in a situation where I did everything I could, and, and now I only need Hashem's help. That's all that's left. So um, it's really that same theme that echoes throughout both of the Paki. When we look at the first one, When I first read this, and I was reading some commentaries on it, um, one of the obvious questions that they ask is, why are they invoking the name of Yaakov specifically here? And it was very interesting because then when I went to read some commentaries on the second page, the commentaries also bring up Yaakov, right? They're also bringing up Yaakov. So I said to myself, what is it about Yaakov that they're so obsessed, you know, when it comes to this situation? Because it wasn't just one source. Several sources are pointing to Yaakov Avinu here. So I said, okay, what is it about Yaakov Avinu? Um, and so I'm going to direct your attention for a minute to the second page, the back, where it says Bereshit Kafet. Because this is specifically the part of the Torah that the Mefashim are focused on when it comes to these two Prakim, 
where the theme is very strongly a person being in despair and needing Hashem's protection. Okay? So, in Bereshit, Perek Havchet, what's going on? Anyone know what's going on here? Like, if you just look like on the surface, just that Pasuk Aleph and Bet, like Pasuk Yud and Yud Aleph, what's, what, what's the scene? What's the background? Good. Okay. Um, why is he on a journey? Good. Good. Exactly. He's running away from Esau, right? Yaakov Avinu is running away from Esau here. And he leaves his house. Um, it's missing a letter. I don't know why. Okay. So Yaakov leaves Be'er Sheva. And he comes to a place, and this is a famous, everyone remembers, like, Parashat HaShavua, when you're in third grade, and you have, like, rocks, and he's sleeping in a ladder, and that picture, you always colored the same one for seven years. Um, so, Yaakov leaves Be'er Sheva, and he stops at this place, and he sleeps there, Kiba HaShemesh, um, because uh, the sun went down, and he takes the rocks, and he sleeps in that place, and he has a dream. And what is that dream? Famous dream? The ladder. The ladder, okay? He dreams, he dreams there's a ladder, and the bottom of the ladder is on the ground, and the top of the ladder reaches the sky, and there are malachim going up and down the ladder. This really happens to be one of my favorite, favorite visuals in Tanakh, um, because the commentaries say about this visual that this was this ladder from the ground reaching to the sky represents the connection between heaven and earth represents with with malachim going up and down represents this idea that it's not separate right hashem is not separate from us there's a connection between shamayim and aritz and the angels are literally going up and down to show that you pray you do things it goes up hashem sends things down things go up things go down there's a lot of different commentaries on that but that's really one of my that for me personally um that's why i love this visual this idea that Hashem is telling Yaakov there is a connection between heaven and earth, right? We're not we're not separate. It's like there's a ladder, and there's and and there's the ability to go up the ladder, okay? And Hashem is will be able to send things down the ladder, and so he has this dream about that. And in the dream, Hashem is standing by him, and Hashem says to him, "I'm the God of your fathers, Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. I'm in Pasuk Yud Gimel," and he promises him that I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to give this land to your children um, in all different directions. And he says to him, I am with you, and I am going to bring you back here. I'm not going to leave you. Until I do exactly what I said I was going to do. And so... Hashem promises Yaakov right here, I'm always, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to protect you. I'm going to protect you the whole time. Yaakov is on a journey. We have to also put ourselves in this head. We're used to now, travel is very simple for us, right? I have to go to the city after this. You could ask me, are you going by car? Are you going by train? Are you going by ferry? Are you going by helicopter? Are you going, right? Uh, there's a plethora of safe ways for me to get to the city. I checked the weather app. I know there's no storm coming. I know there's no dangerous elements coming. I'm not expecting wild animals to attack me on my way to the city. I'm not expecting scorpions and snakes to bite me on my way to the city. Travel is very, very simple for us. But in ancient times, travel is a life-threatening process, 
right? You're traveling in ancient times. There are people who could attack you. There are animals that could attack you. You don't know what's coming in terms of the natural elements. If you're in the desert, if you're in the forest, you have no idea what you're going to encounter when you're traveling in ancient times. It's something that's going to be very scary. It's not simple at all. And so Hashem is telling Yaakov, I'm going to protect you on this whole journey. And while we're reading, you can see many of the words that we know from Tehillim are coming up here. The idea of Shemira, the idea of protection, that Hashem is going to protect, that Hashem is going to watch over, really repeats itself very strongly in this passage. I'm going to skip ahead to the end of the passage in Pasuk Yutet, when uh, Yaakov calls this place Bet El, Ulam used to be called Luz, and in Pasuk Kaf he says, Yaakov and Yaakov promises, He's going to protect me on this road. And he provides me with food and with clothing, and Hashem provides me with everything I need. I'm going to return and Hashem is going to be my God. And so Yaakov recognizes this idea that I need Hashem's protection. Not going to make it, not going to survive without Hashem's protection. It, it can't happen. And really that's what the Tehillim echoes. These two Paket Tehillim really echo this idea of we need Hashem's protection. We're not going to do okay without Hashem's protection. Um, and without that, you could do everything right. You could do everything that you need to be doing. But at the end of the day, without Hashem's protection, you can't do it. Right? You can't, you, you won't be able to. You won't be able to withstand it. You, you won't be able to, to hold it. Um, again, like, we'll keep getting personal because why not? Um, when I was um, also, again, first in the hospital and I was, I was going through a lot of Plaket Eileen, I um, saw this pasuk that really resonated with me. It's not here. Um, and also from the Tehillim, it says, Hashlech al Hashem ohavecha. Throw everything to Hashem who loves you throw everything and when we find ourselves in those um moments of despair that has to be our answer and me personally whenever i found myself in moments of despair and even now because things are not even certain like now i know really for myself that things aren't certain not for one minute ever when we find ourselves in moments of despair what's the answer throw it to hashem throw it to hashem and he's going to provide for you and there's such a sense of peace that comes with that. There really is a sense of, okay, it's Hashem has this. When you throw it to Hashem, you feel like, and he could, right? And now I'm not holding it. I'm not holding it as strongly because I threw it out. And this obviously can apply to many areas of our life. Um, but specifically when it comes to refuah, when we're thinking of a loved one who's not well, or when we're worried about ourselves if we're not well or we're, we're worried about something specific, we have to say, I'm, you know, I'm throwing this Hashem, Hashem, help us, and, and read our pesukim and say them with conviction and understand when I throw it to Hashem, Hashem will catch it. And I guarantee you, you'll feel lighter. You really feel lighter. Which parak is that one? I don't remember off the top of my head, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to figure it out. I think it's in the 30s. Um, but it's really, um, it's such a, it's such a, um, deep concept to internalize this idea that, okay, Hashem, Hashem's got this, Hashem's got this. I'm going to do everything I can do, but I'm throwing it out. I'm throwing it out to Hashem and he is going to provide. Um, back to the Prakim that we were looking at. Sorry to keep going back and forth, guys. Um, so when we look at the, the Pedic that David wrote for Yoach, 
he tells him, Yancha Hashem beyom tzara. Hashem should answer you when you're in trouble. Trouble? Yisagev Hashem elehe Yaakov, that the, the, the name of Hashem, the God of Yaakov, should, should raise you up. Yishlach is Ezrecha Mikodesh. Hashem, because he, we said David is now in Yerushalayim. So he's sending these these messages, he's sending these vibes to his army. That Hashem should send from Yerushalayim, from the, from the Beit HaMikdash and from Yerushalayim, Hashem should send you salvation. Where I am, it should all travel, the, the, the salvation should travel from the holiest place to the battlefield. Hashem should remember all of the your uh, your mincha and your olot, meaning all of your sacrifices should be something that um, at, should act as a zechut for you. That's what he's saying. Um, the idea of the korbanot, the, the korban mincha, all the korbanot. We we always have this uh, we have this saying in Sefer Vayikra. In the very beginning, Perek Al Pasuk Zayin, it tells us that the korban, the scent of the korbanot, are going to be a reyach nichoach Hashem, are going to be a pleasing smell, right? Are going to be a pleasing smell to Hashem. So obviously we know Hashem doesn't smell like, what does that even mean? Um, it's a pleasing smell. But if you think about it, when you smell something very pleasing, it gives you this very calm sense. It gives you this, this very happy feeling um it elevates you when you smell something good as opposed to when you uh, scent is actually a lot of psychology done on this scent is really like the strongest not one of the strongest um senses uh there's a lot that they say about scent in terms of how it connects a person like scent you you don't forget like people could be 80 years old and say oh my grandma smelled like this um it's something that really has a very uh deep impact on a person and so the idea that the Torah is telling us that a korban is going to be a reyach nichoach Hashem, um, it's, it's saying, it's, it's providing a pleasing scent to Hashem. That's something that like elevates the soul. It's something that, that's uh, very high up, that penetrates very deeply. Um, and so David is saying, you know, that idea, Hashem should have that towards you. The same idea, at, like when you bring korbanot and Hashem has that pleasing feeling, that should be directed towards you and act as a protection. Um, I don't know why there are letters missing. Um, Hashem should really grant you uh, whatever you're asking for and fulfill everything that you need. Um, and in Pasuk Vav, um, this is something that the Tehillim, but also um, other uh, many, many Tefilot do this. Um, and I always, I, I really, really always appreciate it. And I have, um, it, this is the positivity that we're talking about, right? having the positivity, having the faith that I'm going to get what I need, that Hashem is going to provide me with what I need. Because in Pasuk Vav it says, We're going to shout for joy in the victory. And we are going to um, raise up Hashem's name. So Hashem should fulfill all that you're asking for. Um, there are so many Prakim and Tehillim that have this same concept, so many. Um, if you think about um, even in the in the Hallel, when it says, and this is also something of oh, this pasuk was very personal to me. Lo amut ki ma'aseya. When a person uh, went to be able to say, "I'm not going to die, I'm going to live, and I'm going to sing Hashem's uh, praises," right? Um, when um, we have uh, in Shemot Bnei Israel, 
um, Hashem tells him, uh, Moshe tells him, Hashem yilachem lachem, fatem tacharishun. Hashem is going to fight for you, you be quiet, and then we're all going to sing praises to Hashem. Right? So we have a lot of um, this concept of saying that we're confident, saying our faith, saying when I get better or when this person gets better, we're going to praise Hashem. We're going to say thank you to Hashem. We're going to, we make se'udot hoda'ah, right? How much do we do when a person, um, we, it's not just that we're telling Hashem, please help us. It's that we're telling Hashem, Hashem, you're going to help us and then we're going to sing your praises. What's the point of going through all the struggle? If not afterwards, to thank Hashem for our victory. If not afterwards, to say thank you to Hashem. So David is putting it in writing here. He's saying, no, Hashem, you're going to help us. And then we're all going to rejoice in Hashem's name. We're all going to rejoice in the victory. And there is this this element of emunah here. That like, no, I I really believe it. It's going to happen. Hashem's going to help us. And then we're going to rejoice. I'm going to skip ahead to Pasuk Chet. Because also I felt that this was a very strong message in terms of Refu'ah. So in terms of war, we look at this in a way of, um, you know, these people, they rely on their horses and they rely on their chariots, but us, we rely on the name of Hashem. And it's the same idea when it comes to health, right? People could say, do it this way, go to this doctor, um, eat that, don't do this, stop doing this. And it's all good, and again, we should all do our hishtadut, um, but there's only so far that's going to take us, right? How we, we can do everything right, we, right, quote-unquote, we can do everything we're supposed to do, um, and we can be using all the right doctors, and we can be using all the right treatments, but it's Beshem Hashem Elokeinu Naskir. It's really that, it's, at the end of the day, we're going to recognize that it's in Hashem's hands. At the end of the day, we're going we're gonna to say, you know what? Other people could rely on whatever they want to rely on, but I'm going to rely on Hashem. And um, again, many Pakei have the same sentiment when it says, Hashem li lo ira maya aseli adam. Hashem's with me, which I'd be afraid of, right? What could possibly happen? Hashem li lo ira, what, what's going to happen? Or tov lo, I, this is something, I'm touching on Halel a lot because twice I was in the hospital over holidays. And when I said Halel, like this hit me very deeply. When it said tov la chasot ba Hashem, it's better to trust in Hashem than to trust in human beings. I love my doctors and I trust my doctor and I love my nurses and anyone like who spoke to me could tell you like I, I really, really loved my whole team. But you always at the turn around and you say, But I really, really trust Hashem more than anybody. Hashem is the one really who's leading the way. Hashem sent these people to me. Hashem sent this treatment to me. Hashem is the one who's doing it all. And it's better to trust in Hashem than to trust any of these outside sources, to trust anything else. And then that, so when we say, we really do understand, you know, every other people, they turn to material things, they turn to people, they turn to, to armies, they turn to whatever they need to turn to, but us, we, we turn to Shem Hashem. That's really the weapon. That's our, that's our strongest weapon. That's what we're using. Um, and again, they fell. We're going to stand up, right? So he, there's that same positivity and that faith. Like, people could fall, but not us. We're up. Hashem Hoshia. Hashem help us. Hashem save us. It's written in the affirmative. Hashem is going to answer us when we call him. It's not maybe, right? It says Hashem Ya'anenu. It's not Hashem answer us. It's Hashem will answer us, right? So that that's what he's saying. Um... This one is is one that uh, this pedic is one that we can see and understand that it, it's very much coming from David's personal experience. 
So I want to just transition for a minute to the second one, um, which is really um, more vague and not always attributed to David Hamelech. So you'll find many interpretations. I'm sure this came up in some of the other Tehillim classes as to who is the author of Tehillim. So you have the opinion that David HaMelech wrote the whole Tehillim, and some of it was with Ruach HaKodesh. And you have the opinion that David wrote some, and Adam HaRishon wrote some, and Moshe wrote some, and uh, the Golim, people who uh, were kicked out of Yerushalayim, wrote some. Um, so we have many different opinions. And so 121 is one of those that, you know, we're not really 100% sure, you know, unless you... Um, are going by the opinion that David wrote all of them. Um, but aside from that, we're not really 100% sure who wrote this one. Um, and it's something like I said, when it says Shir Lama'alot, some people attributed it to the people who were going up to Yerushalayim. Some people were attributing it to the people who left, who had to leave and were in Galut and it's uh, imagining themselves going up to Yerushalayim. And some people just attribute it to, you know, a, a single person because it starts out in the singular. Okay, so it's... it's uh, one person, and so it would make sense also for it to be David HaMelech. Um, and when we read the Shir HaMa'alot, it says, we start out and we say, el I look up to the mountains and I say, where is my salvation going to come from? The mountains are a very strong visual here. The person is looking up to the mountains. Um, why do you think specifically Mountains are being used here. What is it about mountains? Harsinai. Hmm? Harsinai. To be Harsinai. Okay. What else? What? It, more like vaguely, like it's. I look up to the mountains, yeah, so not a specific like mountain. Struggle. Good. Okay. So to the sky. I look right. Struggle. So sky is about to come in. Um. So this idea of the mountains, I saw um, spoken about in a few different places. And so, firstly, we can take it back to the idea of a traveler who, if they're going to the mountains, again, it's a very scary place, right? If they're having to travel through mountains, this is something threatening. Um, this is something that, you know, can really hurt them. And so they're looking to the mountains and saying, how, how am I going to be helped? How am I going to do this? Another deeper, not as literal interpretation is the idea that when I look up to the mountains, I say to myself, where's my help? Where's my salvation going to come from? How so, and this is the Radak, I believe, when I look to the mountains, the mountains are where? Here on earth. So when I look around on earth for help, what is my thought? How am I going to be helped? Who's going to help me? What's going to help me? But when I, what comes in the next pasuk? Hashem, he's invoking where is the help going to come from? Shamayim. So when I look to the mountains, it could be representative of I'm looking around on earth. I'm looking up high, but I'm looking around on earth for help. But really, where is the, where is the help going to come from? The help's going to come from Shamayim. You have to look up higher, right? You think you're looking up when you're looking at the mountains, but it's not the highest point. You have to look up higher when you need help. When, the, um, when we say, it's a little bit of a puzzling thing because in Pasuk Bet, the person asked the question in the first half of the Pasuk, and then in the second half of Pasuk, he answered his own question. So it's a little bit like when kids ask you, like, why'd you ask me the question if you already knew the answer? Like, why is he asking himself this question if he already knows the answer? Does anyone have any thoughts? 
that's how I look at the first thing, song of ascent. He's trying to ascend to his in his own yeah. No, yeah. So he's trying. He's talking himself into it, right? right. Um, so, exactly. So there is this sense of, you know what? He's 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 nervous, and I have to remind myself. I'm, I'm, this is I'm in a situation that I'm very scared of, or I'm very nervous about, um, or if we're saying on behalf of somebody else, we're in it. This is a scary situation, but we all have to remind ourselves. That really, the help, the salvation is going to come from Hashem. And it's written like this on purpose so that we all get that feeling, right? Because this is something we all experience. So by asking the question and then providing the answer, it enters our brain, it enters our head, it enters our psychology of you know what, Where, how, how, is this, how is this possible? What are we going to do? This is, this is terrible. This is the, whole, the worst news. And then the Perek is telling you, no, no, stop. No, stop and think. The, the help is going to come from Hashem. I, mean, I, I was going to say that I know you've been saying the whole time that it's so optimistic and sure of itself, but mm-hmm. I feel like in this question, it almost gives you permission to yes. allow yourself to feel nervous, like right. you said, but the answer is there too. But like you don't have to shut down your thoughts of Exactly, exactly. And because it it really normalizes this idea of us turning around and saying, who's going to help me? What are we going to do? And it's giving you the answers to be reassured. And what's interesting is, if there's any English teachers, grammar people in the crowd, um, something something interesting happens between Pasuk Bet and Gimel in terms of the speaker. So does anyone notice what that is? Good, okay? It goes from my to he. It goes from the, the speaker talking, and all of a sudden, somebody else is talking, right? So it goes to, My, my salvation is going to come from Hashem, who made heaven and earth. And now someone's talking to him, right? Someone is saying to the, to the writer, He's not going to allow your foot to move, to stumble, the one who protects you again with this this theme of shmira of protection the one who protects you is not going to rest someone else is talking to um and i really try very hard to figure this out like this is something like i researched a lot and i i really if anyone comes upon couldn't find something so clear as to why the speaker changes um but one thing that did sit with me that I, that i read vaguely was this idea of once the person recognized that Hashem is going to help them, it kind of opened them up to take chizuk. It kind of opened them up to listening to what was going on, to take chizuk from those around him. Um, This is not him speaking. This is someone else talking to him. And so once he has this recognition like, oh, Hashem is going to help me, the next step is, the encouragement. The next step is, no, you got this. You know, Hashem's not going to help you. Hashem's not going to going to fail you. Hashem's not going to let you fall. This is something you, you're you're okay, right? Um, this idea also of al yiten lamot raglecha al yanum shomrecha. The chachamim related back to Hashem will not allow your foot to stumble. They related to the idea of that's your physical body, help with your physicality. That's your actual um, being your actual physical self 
is the threats that come from the outside. So al yitain namot reglecha is no, you yourself are going to be strong. You yourself are going to be physically okay. And also Hashem's going to protect you. Hashem doesn't rest. Shomrecha, the one who protects you, so nothing from the outside is going to come hurt you either. You yourself will be taken care of. You're not going to be injured. You're not going to be hurt. And nothing's going to come to hurt you. Nothing, no one's going to come to bother you. And it brings up this idea of, of resting and sleeping because same as we said in the in the previous pedic, Hashem does not rest. Hashem does not sleep. In Pasuk Dalid, um, when it's found, Hashem doesn't rest, Hashem doesn't sleep. Who does rest and sleep? Who rests and sleep? People, right? So anyone else. So again, it's that same concept of right? We rely, you could rely, when you rely on outside factors, um, they rest, you know? People could make a mistake. Uh, in the my, my brother got me so paranoid, like in terms of watching the nurses or whatever. He's like, you know, human error happens five percent of the time. I don't even know what he would tell me, and it would make me so nervous. Um, we have to get try to get out of the hospital because five, you know, all five percent of actions are human error. I don't know what he would tell me, but yeah, people stumble, right? People people make mistakes. People rest. People they're they're working twelve hour shifts, and um, there are going to be times where people can't be there for you or people can't do it for you or they reach their point of they're done like you know but the protector of Hashem doesn't sleep there's no rest Hashem doesn't rest Hashem's there all the time there's no such thing as rest there's no such thing as stopping there's no such thing as sleeping for Hashem um, so that should be a reassurance for us that okay, there's never like oh Hashem had enough of me oh Hashem Hashem's done with me never never a thing uh, th- there's never too much to have like people say like oh well you know I feel like I asked Hashem for this so I can't ask him for that that's not a thing right <laughs> um, when you ask you ask and whatever you need you need you thank Hashem for what you have you ask for what you need and you praise Hashem that's what you do there's no limits of you know okay if I ask for this I feel like I'm, I can't also ask for that but it's not a human being we're dealing with that's how we treat human beings Right? We treat human beings like, I don't want to ask for too many favors. I feel bad because she already did this for me, so I don't know if she's doing that for me. That doesn't apply to Hashem. With Hashem, it's lo yanum yishan. With Hashem, it's just throw it all out. Whatever you need, throw it all out. Um, sorry, I need to check the time. Okay. Yeah. Um, so really, um, we have to try and train ourselves to understand that Hashem is the one he's, who's always going to answer. Hashem is the one who's always there. Um... And we will always have protection in Pasuk Vav. We see on the back, Yomam Hashem Again, with the travelers, it was the sun beating down on you was not a safe thing. Um, the Yareach Balayla, the moon at night, they used to attribute it to the moon comes with moisture and, and cold and, and illness. Um, that's what, you know, that's meant to represent. If you say, like when we say the sun can't hurt you and the moon can't hurt you, it's meant to represent like the, the daytime and the nighttime. Um, things that might you might come across the in the light and in the dark, um, but Hashem is always going to help you and Hashem is always going to save you um, forever. And I'm going to end with like a little bit of a brief funny story. Um, when um, I was going through, my, I think it was chemo too. Um, so when I moved into the house that I that I currently live in, um, we're renting the house, and my living room had like a funny painted ceiling that. A lot of people love, they come in and they're like, I love this painted ceiling. But for me personally, it's just not my taste. Like, I'm not into the painted ceiling. And when we came in, we were going to paint a couple of rooms. And the landlord said to us, my sister's laughing, she knows the story. The landlord said to us, um, 
you know, uh, please don't paint the ceiling um, <laughs> when you're painting. You know, I, we love the ceiling, and, and it's, it's there for many, many, many years, even before we bought the house, and, and we, we painted it, and we wanted it to stay this way. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm <laughs> having this feeling. Whenever I would sit in that room, like, I would feel like it's not really, even though it's not my house, I'm renting it, but I even more felt it wasn't my house because it just wasn't my type. Um, and one day, while I was sick, we noticed that there was, like, a crack in the side of the ceiling. Um, so we told, we sent pictures to the landlord, and, like, a week later, he sends someone to look at it, and he says, um, and he's, the guy says, oh, okay, I can fix this, I can fix it, I'm going to be back on Monday, this was on a Friday, I'm going to come back on Monday, I'm going to fix the crack. But it's not water damage, there's no water damage, I checked, there's nothing going on, it's really just that the ceiling is old, and it's plaster, and they don't even do, make this anymore, because it's, it's heavy, and it's cracking, but I'm going to fix it on Monday. So I said, okay, fine, no problem. And I'm sitting there with, I had like a chemo travel bag, like, and whatever. I was like, okay, fine. I was like, but could it fall? He's like, no, we can't fall. And I turned back around and I was like, and it, we had another discussion. I'm like, okay, but it's not going to fall. He's like, it's not going to fall. Okay, fine. We move on with the weekend. And now on Sunday during the day, there's like paint chips are falling from the ceiling. I'm sweeping up paint chips all day long. I'm like, okay, he said it can't fall, so it's not going to fall. 10.30 p.m. Sunday night, my younger kids are in bed, my older kids are up, my husband's teaching someone in the dining room, and I'm sitting adjacent to the living room, there's like a, a front like small den, and I'm sitting like in the front small den trying to, to relax, and I hear things, I'm hearing cracking, I'm hearing things, and I turn around, and it's like raining paint chips, and I run to the dining room, and I knock on the door, and I never interrupt my husband when he's trying, I'm like, you have to come now. He comes, he turns around, it was right there, steps away, and we both look at it, and it was like something out of a movie. The ceiling comes crashing down, dust is coming at us like this, crashing down into a big plastered chunks, I'll show you pictures one day if you want, um, in the living room, and what we're just staring like this, like, well, but our mouths are open, the ceiling fell. Thank God my landlord, Baruch Hashem, he's unbelievable, he's a great, great guy. We send him a picture, and so first, my, my older kids come down, because they're like, what was that? It was like a huge crash, and now it's like this, well, it's like we're a construction crew, like, we're, I'm, my husband's like, sit down, I'm like, I'm not sitting down, we're doing, he's trying to get me to rest, we're cleaning this shoveling plaster into garbage bags. I was like, I'm not, I'm not waking up to this. I'm just not waking up to this. We clean up the whole thing, um, and the landlord sends someone at 8 a.m., and he says, okay, we're going to take off the whole ceiling. We're going to put a new ceiling. We're going to put new, and now we have to paint the walls because it's connected to the plaster, and I'm going to put you new sconces because once we undo it, we have to do the sconces, and now the whole room gets a whole makeover, and he's letting me pick everything. <laughs> so, so my husband says to me, he goes, well, see, your prayers were answered. You didn't like this room, so your prayers were answered. And I looked at him, and I was like, you think these are the prayers? Like, I'm in chemo. Like, you think the living room ceiling was the prayer that I need answered? Like, that's the one you think I prioritize? Like, if I had, like, remember Netflix or something used to have, like, a prior put something on top. Like, first one, I'm like, you think living room ceiling was my top priority at the moment? Like, that's what I was thinking. Um, but really when it happened, first of all, I really took it as a sign that like, you know what, this is like a small thing now because afterwards I enjoyed that room so much. Like now I sit in the couch, I'm like, I love this room. Um, and we got new shelves and we did all kinds of things. Um, but I really took it as a sign that, you know what, Hashem's listening to me. I, I should have felt like this is a complete 
complete total disaster. I can't believe this is happening to me now at all times, but it wasn't like that. I felt like Hashem was really with me, listening to my prayers, really, really showing me like, I got it, I got it. And now you're going to have to spend a lot of time on the couch, so we're going to make it a nicer room. <laughs> um, and that's really what I felt like. And um, afterwards I said, you know what, there's no reason I can't say I want this and I want that. Obviously I'm praying for my health first and foremost, like obviously, right? But we don't have to minimize all of our other wants and desires. We can ask really for any, any, anything we want. Um, and so really when next time when we get a text, please say Tehillim, or when we're saying these platim, um, we really have to say, you know what? Hashem's looking out for every little thing for us. Hashem's looking out for everything. Um, we have to throw it all to Him, right? We have to throw it all to Him. And the same way David HaMelech did so, and the same way when they used to travel and enter these life-threatening situations, we always had to throw it out to Hashem, and they always had to say, "If I, you know what, it's only the way Yaakov Avinu says, you know what, Hashem, please protect me, please protect me, and I'm going to sing Hashem's praises, please protect me, and Hashem's going to be everything to us. The same way um, they said that, so too, when we're looking for refu'ah, for ourselves, for someone else, we have to have that same attitude of, Hashem has this, He's the one in charge, it's not me, there's only so much the human beings are going to do for me. There's only so much um, doctors can do. There's only so much even practices can do. I'm going to do what I can, but I have to let go and give it to Hashem. That's what we need to be thinking when we're reading these Paketehinim. So Bezrat Hashem, we'll read them with more Kavana, and we'll see a lot of Yeshuot very, very soon for whoever needs. Thank you again for having me. I'm sorry. Thank you. I'm running, so I'm sorry. Um, but now you can all talk about me without me being here. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great cut, thank you.